When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. Somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Smart Strong features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back, the smart pain. Welcome back to the Smart Strong Podcast, everybody. Uh, good morning, this is Ben James again, and I'm with my co-host, as always, Jacob Stein. Morning, Jacob. Good morning, Ben. So, the last few episodes, we've been introducing a lot of the muscles of the spine, spine stability, how important those muscles are. Today, we talked about the abdominal uh, wall anteriorly and the posterior group of muscles, and we said today that we were going to focus on the latissimus dorsi, the psoas, and the QL. So we're going to talk about those muscles individually, initially, talk a little bit about the anatomy and why they're important, their role in spine stability, and then a little bit again about training, and then we'll bring it together um, as a bit of a conclusion, I guess, with respect to all of those muscles we've talked about so far. So these muscles are quite unique, uh, latissimus dorsi being one of them, a uh, very big muscle in the back, often the muscle you see that like we mentioned before, creates that kind of V-shape. See a lot of people training that muscle in different ways. Jacob, let's talk briefly a bit about the anatomy and then we'll talk about some of the exercises that people are doing and this, the important role it plays in, in stability of the spine. Sure, uh, Ben. The anatomy of the latissimus, also known as the lat or lats, runs from the upper arm actually attaches to the upper arm, then it uh, runs down and it attaches to the inferior angle of the shoulder blade and it attaches to the lower three ribs and then the end of it uh, at the bottom attaches to the um, five lower low back vertebrae, the uh, sacrum and then the uh, pelvis. So yeah. it's, it's, it's quite a spread out muscle. Yeah, and it's. I think it's important to say as well, in terms of the muscle itself, the attachments to those kind of bony landmarks, as it were, that you mentioned, is via, for a large part, the the, the fascia again, the thoracolumbar fascia. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, what shall we discuss about the muscle? Uh, its function? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, from a stability point of view, people would say, well, how does that contribute to to st stability of the spine? Because it's quite a, um, it's not a deep muscle. And in terms of where you're, you're looking at where its attachments are, you're kind of thinking to yourself, well, okay, how does that contribute anything, you know? Yeah, 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 that's uh, exactly that. That's what we want to look at. Um, and I think if you just look at the orientation of the muscle, you can you can make common sense of it that it's actually contracting the upper part of the torso towards the lower part. So it, it creates compression of the spine. And it in that way gives stability. And it's very interesting to note that this muscle actually runs, like I said, from the upper arm all the way into the low back. So just to know that there's this connection between the upper arm shoulder blade and the low back pelvis um, is just phenomenal to 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 imagine that you you have a muscle that span over all these bony landmarks. 
Yeah, and you know, back to the kind of moment arm, as as we've said, you know, that lever, as it were, its attachments from from like you say the back all the way up to the the upper arm means that it's an important muscle for pulling um, exercises or actions, and so when you're thinking about that brace position and, and the muscles contributing to that activity, therefore the lats is an important muscle in terms of forces being directed through that thoracolumbar fascia and into the, into the spine. So it's an important muscle to, to consider as part of, as part of, um, our, I guess, endurance work and rehabilitation work and movement to ensure that that spine is safe during these activities. Exactly. And, um, like we've mentioned with all these muscles, it's, it's not a muscle we want to really isolate. You want to train it in combination with the rest. Yeah. Uh, You can train it isolated. And I think that's where a lot of people would have to start with it because a lot of people are actually, uh, very, uh, I would say very weak in using this muscle. And, and that purely comes from the fact that they don't actually use the muscle. Like you just mentioned, we we would use this muscle to pull things, yeah. And we just don't do that anymore, right? I mean, we open a door and we think we pull something, but we're not really pulling anything. Yeah, we're kind of twisting from the spine, and again, it's back to that. Well, okay, if we're bracing when we're opening that door, and we're you know we're thinking about the line of of motion when we're pulling that door, and obviously, you know, we're talking about people with with painful backs here. We're not saying, you know, for every person is right. Really think about how you're opening that door, you know, but when you're thinking about the painful back and you're thinking like you say to, to to an activity as simple as opening a door people are not training those motions anymore and so a lot of that movement is rotation through the spine which again as always might seem like a well you know how's that affecting my back you know i'm only opening a door yeah but if you're opening a door and just twisting through the spine and you've got a a, a disc irritation or a disc problem then quite clearly that could be exacerbating that problem so if you're bracing then where's the movement going to go through as you're pulling that door clearly the lats are going to be a big muscle to do that activity Uh, and and you know when we're talking more athletic performance the lats um is very much a transference of power from the core through to through to the arm so you know in throwing exercises it's going to be a, a decelerator to a degree. You know, if you're, if you're talking about that transference of, of power from the, the core right through to the arm, it's got a lot of, um, it's got a, a lot of uh, contributory factors to different exercises of the upper body. Um, and I think, I, I guess the question is, are we training it in the right way? Because what you tend to see is a lot of people aren't training it at all, or a lot of people are, trying to train it in isolation you often see the kind of bent over single row seems to be a classic for training the lats you know i myself did do a lot of pull-ups um now pull-ups have been fantastic for for increasing the strength and endurance of of the lats for me but again a pull-up exercise for somebody that's got back pain could be a little bit problematic because actually the f- the forces that are directed through the spine in terms of compression when you're doing a pull-up are quite high, which would be a surprise for a lot of people because, hang on a minute, I'm hanging from a bar so my feet aren't on the floor. How's their compression through that spine, you know? 
Yeah, that, that often happens. The compression often happens when you see somebody doing a pull-up and they're just pulling the low back into a complete uh, extreme hollow yeah. posture. And then you know, okay, we're doing way too much from a compensatory factor to get the body up there instead of actually staying more or less in a neutral, relaxed in your spine and doing the work with your upper back instead of with the lower back. Yeah. I wanted to mention there um, with the pull-up, that's a good example, Ben, because what you see a lot of people do when they do the pull-up is actually the shoulders coming loose from the torso and doing most of the work with their biceps. Now, I know you can do it with your back because you have, you have strong lats, but most people who would just start training in, for example, a CrossFit gym or, or you know, they want to be able to do a pull-up and they start working on this. If you pay close attention to how you do it, you'll notice that you most likely get it or do most of the work with your biceps, your arms. And that's also why you're able to do two or three and then yeah. you, know, you, you burn out. You can't do like someone who's really able to do a, a pull-up, do three times ten, for example, because they're doing it with their back. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th and the, those guys that are, are starting out, they'll also notice that actually the next day or the day after, wow, I can't straighten my arms. Yep. <laughs> because That's the it. biceps are so, so destroyed that, that, that yeah, it, it's that post-muscle um, soreness that is, is pretty significant because, like you say, you've just not, yeah, it's a, it's a technique thing, but it's also a, I guess, we're, we're not used to using that muscle. So the bicep torso, uh, I guess, dominates that activity. So the, yeah. so what we're saying is the pull-up is a fantastic exercise for the lats, but as always, we got to think about the goal and think about the stage we're at in terms of introducing these different exercises for that muscle. So I guess we're not saying that we can't direct exercises to the lats specifically in a bit more isolation because we have the ability to do that, I guess, given the unique anatomy of that muscle in terms of it being more superficial and in terms of us being able to direct specific movements and therefore exercises to that muscle um, predominantly, never in isolation, because as we know, that that's pretty much impossible to, to isolate one muscle for one exercise alone. But taking that a step back, how do we start introducing uh, the lats into a rehabilitation program? Because well, we talked a ball about neutral spine and we talk about um, the kind of Superman exercises or the bird dog. And this activation of lats seems to be something that we often see missing from yeah. practitioners when they're, when they're talking patients through these kind of exercises. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, Quite often, if you have a patient in front of you and you ask them, can you turn on your lats? Can you squeeze the lats? Then they look at you like, you know, they don't know what you're talking about. And that's where it all starts. So the ability to spread the lats like a body, bodybuilder does or to, to tense the lats, that's actually what, you, what you're after to start with. The, the best way I find to, to get people to do this is actually use, using the shoulder openers. Now, we're not going to go into too much detail, detail about it. It's not the, the point of the podcast. But to explain a little bit or talk a little bit about it might be a good idea. So, you know, it's where you have your neutral spine, you stand up straight, and you just you squeeze the lats, and you um, squeeze the pecs and the medial biceps. So you're protecting the shoulder in that way. 
and then you straighten and bend your elbows. But you maintain lat, pec, and medial bicep tension, for example. Um, from there, the next step would be something like actually pulling a rope. So the rope pull, because you're, well, there, there are two ways of doing this mainly. There are more ways to do it, but the one way to do it is actually, you know, you have a slight bend in the knees and you're hanging over with your chest a little bit horizontal to the floor. So you make the lever arm between your arm when you pull the rope and your hips, you make it a very big lever arm. So you pull the rope and you pull your hand towards your navel. So now you're really forced to use the lats. The biceps will run out of energy quite quick. And then um, the more advanced way to do this is, uh, you know, the, the, the McGill method way where you actually stand up upright. You have a very neutral spine in a squatting position, you know, quite not deep squat, but semi-deep. And you really brace and you really focus on keeping the chest still. And now everything when you're upright and pulling this 20, 30 meter rope with weight at the end will be directed towards the lats. And that's the most effective exercise to to work on the lats in my view, in my experience. And what about the um, the sandbag? The, the sandbag's a good one, but I find that you have to already have some um, some some control over using the lats so that when you're use, when you're carrying the sandbag you're able to direct the power to the lats and not uh, elevate the shoulders into going into the traps which quite a lot of people do when they're not strong you know they don't have that core stability yet yes so for the listeners we're, what we're talking about there is the the, the sandbag is um, an exercise where you're effectively uh, holding a sandbag uh, i guess tummy level with your with your uh, arms kind of crossed and I guess the best analogy is hugging hugging the sandbag very yeah. much upright into a bit of um, extension in the back um, and then we're walking a set distance but like you're saying Jacob if you're not uh, at the stage where you have that kind of motor control and that awareness of the control of the lats then the danger is you kind of hike in the shoulders as it were as in scrunching up the shoulders and then that's activating the the upper traps which as we know is is quite often a, a an aggravating muscle as it were in terms of office workers and and general work that we do which is a lot more sedentary and uh an anterior chain as it were so another good exercise maybe alongside something like the pull-up but we just got to be aware of that motor control and that ability to to activate that lat first. Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, the the traps most of the time steals the work from the lats. Yeah. So when we're when we're weak in the lats, and it's quite often if you you know if I work with people, I'll, I'll feel the lat and I'll try to feel if there is any lat present. You know, is there, what's is there any muscle? there and that usually gives me a good indication whether they are using this muscle yeah um you know and whether they're not and then then i can just look at them speak and you quite often see how they hike up the shoulders so we know that there's this uh trap dominance you know the muscles on top of your shoulders are doing most of the work and that means that the shoulder blades being pulled up where we lose this anchoring stability factor from the shoulder blades to the core if it's being hiked up. 
Yeah. And, and that's basically not using the lat. Yes. And, and as always, you know, refer to the show notes, go over to the website because we've got a, we'll have a video on this one specifically because I think, you know, as we are trying to point out, this is really quite important. Just generally the awareness of that lat because just trying to pull those shoulders down to the floor almost is, is, is one way of trying to think and activate that muscle and start to be aware of that muscle because as you say a lot of what the work we're doing is letting those shoulders kind of drift upwards it's it's kind of lazy work I suppose is the best term rather than drawing those shoulders down to the floor before we're then doing those exercises that might be around the shoulder etc and you know taking that a step further even when we're doing the bird dog exercises and the uh, or the Superman, those kind of exercises where we're uh, on all fours. Again, we're still saying we've got to activate that muscle and draw those shoulders back and down because that's still very important in terms of its contribution to spine stability. So an awareness of that is is, is really important. So moving on from, from the lats, we, we know that they, that they contribute stability through that um, energy transference through the thoracolumbar fascia specifically we know there's a lot of exercises that we're seeing uh, are isolated exercises which could be great for people with the ability to control that muscle and we'll we'll kind of tie that in at the end to to uh, a conclusion around the muscles in general but the ql and the psoas they're quite unique because again and anatomically if you look at those two muscles you're saying well they look to they look to be a very similar area we're looking at you know kind of 12th rib attaching to the lumbar vertebra and into the pelvis and yet the actual role they each play in stability and in fact contributing to um back pain is is pretty different as it were um so the ql first of all so shall i go ben go for it yeah yeah so the the ql you mentioned that they, the QL and the psoas, they kind of attach at the same point. Um, the other attachment of these two muscles are a little bit different. So yep. the, the QL runs from the lower, like you said, the lower rib and the, attaches to the sides of the five lower vertebrae and then to the sacrum and the pelvic bone. And we have obviously two of them, one on the left, one on the right, and they sit lateral to the spine. So, you know, that gives us an indication of what their roles are. Uh, basically when you are on one leg the, the leg that you're standing on on that side the, the quadratus lumborum the QL on that side is preventing the other side to drop down by actually stabilizing holding on to the spine if you may call it like that so so it's basically taking care of this uh, lateral stability of the pelvis and the spine that, that stands erected on top of it and the big role it plays is when we, for example, walk or run. Uh, you know, then this this spine standing upright on the pelvis is incredibly important when we're demanding power or pushing off with our leg. Or if you run and you do a sport like football or rugby, for example, then your um, your stability at that point is incredibly important for directing forces to the to the hips or to the shoulders or to to any other part of the body. So that's why this muscle is so important. The other important thing about the QL is also that when it's measured, it's seen that it, it fires with almost everything you do, 
probably because it's such a such an important stabilizing muscle. So not only when you're on one leg, but also when you're squatting, for example, with two legs on the floor, weight on your back, this muscle fires a hell of a lot. Yeah. And it's interesting when you look at the research that you're saying it fires a lot, but actually its length doesn't change very much. Whether we laterally bend, because again, back to that classic anatomy, well, the QL is lateral. These are the, um, these are the origins and insertions. Therefore, it must, when it contracts, cause uh, the spine to laterally bend or with bend into the side. But actually, the evidence um, and the research suggests that the length of that muscle doesn't change much at all when we're, whether we're flexing or bending forward and leaning back or leaning to the side or twisting, which means that whilst it's firing, it's firing isometrically, so it's kind of not changing length. So again, that that indicates the yeah. role it plays in stability of the spine and certainly resisting shear movements of, of those vertebrae again, again on top of one another. So a big muscle in terms of stabilization. Yeah, and I mean, we already, the, the clues there, how do you train this muscle? When you're on one leg, the the same side's actually working harder. And so if you walk, then you're alternating, giving more work to, to the side that you're standing on. And if you want to increase the work that's done by this muscle on one leg, we simply hand the person weight on, uh, to both hands so we'll be doing a farmer's walk like exercise and now we're challenging the stability factor even more yeah 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 and and i think you know it, it is important to focus on this uh, muscle in terms of the rehabilitation and challenging this muscle because again back to the research and the evidence it's very much been implicated in in patients with back pain you know when we're talking muscle spasms etc cetera, etc cetera, this muscle is important in terms of the training to to take some of the load and take some of the the strain and help stabilize because if we're if we're not focusing on this muscle and again the activities of daily living that we do now are just so far removed from you know what our ancestors were doing and genetically really how we've been uh how, how we've adapted that we're not doing the kind of farmer's walk type exercises anymore yep. so you know and 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 even you know when you think of the, the 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 best example probably of that exercise from an activity of daily living is is carrying the shopping yep. now you know we're all trying to drive as close to the supermarket as possible or we're we're now we've got the ability to put our uh, shopping in the trolley and wheel it to the car so we're not really challenging ourselves and therefore we're not challenging this muscle. Yes, it's been challenged when we're walking, which is why walking is such a good therapeutic exercise for people with back pain because it is challenging that muscle. It is working that muscle uh, as well as it being a, a, a reliever of, of, of back pain as we've discussed before. But if we're not training that muscle, then that muscle isn't conditioned and then therefore how are we helping its role in spine stability and therefore, are we putting ourselves at risk of injury or certainly um, preventing us from getting out of back pain? So again, it's all back to the conditioning and movement of, of some of these important muscles, the QL being an important one. And I think um, back to some of the exercises we talked about previously, um, such as the side plank, 
there's going to be a contribution yeah. of of QL in that role as well as the obliques as and, we've talked before. And, and and much more a starting point than what I mentioned with, uh, for example, the farmer's walk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With back pain. And and it also just shows how we're we're kind of linking things back in because if we if we think back to the uh, anterior abdominal wall, we talked about the plank, we talked about side plank, side plank challenges obliques. It also challenges QL. So you start to see yeah. how some of these key exercises are challenging a number of these important muscles. So some of the listeners might be thinking, God, so far there's a lot of, there's a lot of information about muscles and training, but actually there's a number of key exercises that are going to safely challenge a number of these muscles. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we're starting to bring back to the orchestra and looking at how we're challenging these muscles collectively so that we can condition ourselves effectively. Exactly. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about the, the QL, Ben? No, I think, I think it's a good place to, to move on to the, to the psoas because we've, we've kind of indicated just how important the QL is and, and its role in stability. And then the psoas is almost, uh, the not the opposite but it's got similar origins and decisions as we say and yet it's 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 role in back pain is quite different in that what we often see is a lot of tension in that muscle that is contributing to compression of the spine and actually overactivation of that muscle seems to be a problem rather than it being a case of let's train that psoas muscle for its role in stability yeah uh, so we we know that this muscle runs from the low back, like you mentioned, through the pelvic bone, so through the pelvic ring, to the upper leg, to the inside of the upper leg. So it's it's more or less at the front of the hip joint. So it's important to mention that it it works uh, as an opposite to the glute, to the buttock muscles, around you know, on the other side of the hip. Uh, hip joint so like you mentioned quite often this muscle is a little bit too tonic it's a bit too tight and i think a big big reason today for that is that a lot of people are sitting on a chair or sitting in a car or they have a seated job which means that this muscle for the eight hours that you're sitting or quite often much more is actually shortened whereas where you would stand the muscle would be longer and if you'd walk, you'll actually get even more length through this muscle. And we, we just don't do enough of that, basically. So, Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, when you look at this muscle, you, you, you question it a little bit because actually its role seems to be, and its activation really only seems to be there when, when you're lifting the thigh. And yet we've also got the, the iliacus, which you would say, well, that's doing the same thing. Why do we have both muscles? And it seems that the psoas almost resists if we think about the iliacus, that's going to draw the pelvis forward and cause lumbar extension. So, so <clears throat> excuse me, actually helps to balance things out a little bit. But like you say, we're we're in postures and situations that are are really contributing to that muscle just being in a contracted state, and then that contraction is contributing to compression of the spine and is is causing often. Uh, some of the discomfort that a lot of patients um, experience yeah. which is why we often uh, and again we'll uh, we'll link back to, to this video in the notes 
a, a, there's a good stretch to, to challenge that psoas and try and get a bit of release in that psoas muscle, which is a good starting point because if you're, if you're, uh, if you're missing that, then that could be a contributory uh, factor to, to back discomfort. And yeah, and you know, that's, it's interesting because with a lot of patients or actually with, with, with the experience I have with my patients, everybody is very different when it comes to how tight their psoas is. Yeah. You'll have, you'll have you, your short, stocky guy, you know, strong, uh, got a lot of muscle, and he'll have incredibly tight psoas muscles, which means the, the hip extension is just limited. And this can be a real problem when it comes to sitting a lot for this guy. And then you'll have the, you know, the, the sort of skinny lady, maybe she's doing yoga, maybe not, but she's got a lot of mobility. And there's just not enough strength in the psoas uh, to provide a stabilization effect throughout the whole pelvis. So it's it's not that everybody has to go and uh, get more length in their psoas if they have a seated job. It might be quite the opposite. But the the typical presentation that we see is we see a very shortened psoas, which then pulls the low back forward into a, a greater curve, if you'd like, in the low back, which causes that compression that you mentioned yeah. and then we get as a response we get a tightening of the low back muscles right that so they are they they you can draw a line going from back from the low back to the front of the hips uh, of what is tight and then if you look at the opposite sides you look at the buttocks that would be usually a little bit weak and that that leads the psoas to take take over the job and then we have at the front of the, the, the stomach, the anterior abdominal wall, which we discussed, will have maybe some weakness there as well. So we'll have weakness at the abs, we'll have weakness at the buttocks. And this then leads to the stiffness and the muscles in the low back and the psoas doing too much. And this, this causes the compression. Yeah, and, and that kind of um, combination of muscle imbalance is that classic lower cross syndrome is what it's often referred to um so like you're saying psoas is is again another important muscle to consider but maybe slightly different to a lot of the muscles we've we've discussed so far in that um it's its role is important and yes in some individuals we may want to train it but largely we want to be looking at how we can take relief away from that muscle and get it to relax a little bit more and and again, back to some of the exercises we see, such as the classic sit-up, we're often finding that people are activating that muscle in in that exercise, yeah. which again is is the wrong way of training the abs, and you're actually training a muscle that could be the muscle we're trying to relax. So drawing everything back, think about the goal, think about the exercises, because we need to be training the right muscles in the right way and helping to alleviate tension from other muscles such as such as the psoas and i just want to mention there ben about the psoas before we go because we're getting to the end of the podcast uh we didn't quite mention that very well the psoas is actually the main hip flexor yeah just so people know what it does you know that's the muscle that we use when we run to pull the knee up for example but i want to mention uh on this point that if you are using the psoas to pull your knee up uh, you are very dependent on a stable core. So that's coming back to what we mentioned before. You, you, you need to be super strong and 
be able to control the stiffness proximal in the core to be able to generate power with this powerful psoas hip flexor without irritating the low back. So that's what it boils down to. Yeah, and stuff. again, I think that's a great place, place to finish because like you say, again, we're back to as we move forward into more athletic um, level training, it's the core stiffness generates the power distally. And and if you're not doing that, yeah. then you're relying on the wrong muscles and then you're you're increasing your risk of injury. So back to the gym setting, don't try and, you know, run before you can jump kind of you know it's it's that classic <laughs> analogy of let's 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 yeah. think about the goal and progressions and let's start start um at the right level for for the right individual so i think exactly. just to conclude you know there's a lot of muscles there there's a lot of information but the important thing is there's some great exercises that we we talk about on the website and and will help to activate all of those important muscles collectively as an orchestra because it's important that we're working them together to develop those patterns and those motions and those neurology motor patterns so that we're in control of those muscles we're aware of those muscles and then in time we can improve the endurance of those muscles and progress through different exercises to develop improved strength and control because that as we've said so far on these podcasts is what's going to help in the long term to resist incidents of back pain and for sure help you get out of back pain if you're suffering at the moment because if we're not focusing on those muscles we're not focusing on that stability then you can go and see any any practitioner for massage or uh, manipulation the continuation of of instability and the exercises or the movements that are contributing to that instability are just going to aggravate that back and it's just going to re be a repetitive frustrating cycle so yeah that's that... correct <laughs> we agree <laughs> we agree yeah yeah we agree so thanks again jacob and uh, as always guys you know head over to, to itunes give us a, a rating as we uh, in time develop more material there'll be uh, more information on the website and more more videos so head on over and and take advantage of those resources and uh, as always focus use the right exercises think of the goal and collectively we'll we'll get better spine health thanks again jacob thanks ben